You are listening to the Murray Hills Church Podcast. To learn more about Murray Hills Church, including our gathering times and how to connect with us, visit us online at murrayhills.com. I want to begin by saying, of course, happy Mother's Day to all of our moms and grandmothers and aunties and godmothers, everyone who has parented along the way. Happy Mother's Day to you. I'm excited to be standing before you today, but I wanted to let you know that we're going to be talking about love, but we're not going to specifically be talking about mothers. And I know there are some of you in the room or watching online who are relieved to hear that, because even though a lot of us are holding joy today as we celebrate with those we love, there are a lot of people today who are also holding heaviness. Today is a reminder for women around the world that have longed to have a baby and they have been told they are not able to do that or it hasn't happened for them yet. Other women are mourning the babies that they lost today. Some people are sad because their mother is no longer on this earth with them. They have a broken relationship with her or they have never met her. So today, as we talk about the gospel this morning, I also want us to acknowledge that there are people around us who are holding both joy and sadness, because that's what we do as believers. We have empathy and compassion for one another. So we're going to jump into the sermon this morning, but before we do that, let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to stand before your sons and daughters to preach a sermon that you brought forth yourself. What an honor and a privilege. And Lord, I ask that we walk out of the room different this morning than when we came in, that you will divide this message to every ear that hears it, to speak to us individually about what you are calling us to do, and that we will fall in love with you more, we will recommit our lives to you more, and we will be challenged to show the world, the type of love you are talking about in your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing this morning in our Sermon on the Mount, this this Sermon on the Mount series talking about love. A lot of times when we hear the word love, we think of warm and fuzzy feelings, or we think about perfect relationships we've seen in movies, but the love that Jesus is talking about in this text is different It is a love that goes beyond how we act towards one another and gets to the core of what it really looks like to follow Christ. The Sermon on the Mount was a reminder to believers that being a follower of Christ means that we strive to look like God. Not God in his all power and all his all might, but how Jesus modeled life to us. In his humility, how he loved and served everyone, those who were shunned, sick, non-believers, no matter their culture or race, he loved everyone. I want to show you a picture of an iceberg. And icebergs to me are always so intriguing. This is a freshwater block of ice that has broken off of a glacier and is just floating out in the water. So if you're on top of the water and you see the icebergs, they vary in size, you're thinking how big and magnificent it is. But what is always so amazing 
when we see these views of icebergs is how deep and wide what is underneath is keeping just the top of what we see afloat. It is much deeper and wider than we could ever know from the surface. And this is exactly what Jesus is trying to do in the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching the Jews that the depths of the Old Testament commandments that they're following are deeper than what they can see. And he is trying to, to help them discern the true intents of their behavior and understand what is really underneath the surface. He wants them to move past just behavior modification and take a deep look into the matters of their heart and mind, reminding them that kingdom people think and live differently than the culture around them. So let's jump into the text. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 40. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if you're like me, when you read this text or you hear it, you're like, what in the world does this have to do with love? Talking about slapping people around and missing teeth and giving away your clothes. What is Jesus talking about in this text about love. The commandment he's addressing, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, ensured in the Old Testament that justice was fair, that punishment fit the crime, and that things did not continue to escalate because people were fighting and trying to excessively retaliate for things that had happened to them. Just like our tendency, our human nature is, I want to up the ante on my revenge. Maybe back then it was, you stole my pig, I take your house. You slap me, I'll punch you. Today it could be, you say something that I don't agree with and I cut you off for life. Jesus wanted to remind them that and take them deeper than just equality and teach them that looking like God means they must be humble and not retaliate. They must leave their revenge up to God. They must ignore insignificant insults and maintain their dignity and self-respect. And he's asking them to go above and beyond by giving generously. If somebody asks for your shirt, you give them your coat. You give them more than what they ask of you. Because being just and fair is just the minimum, the tip of the iceberg. But humility and living generously go deeper and are what makes them look like God. So the texts that we read that seem odd about teeth and clothes are about looking beyond the surface of what we think fairness entails and getting to the heart of what God calls us to do, and that is to love deep and to love wide. As I read these, th these three verses, I imagined how much different would this past year have looked if we as believers had taken to heart this text. <laughs> if we had used a kind of restraint, dignity, and self-respect in our interactions with one another face-to-face -face and on social media? What if the world could see us obeying the call to live generously and going above and beyond what is asked of us? What if we took to heart the way Jesus is demanding us to live in this text? How radical would that be and how much more would the world be drawn to the love of God? Because those who follow him must 
look like him. Let's continue reading in Matthew chapter 5, verses 41 and 42. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. He's talking about generosity again, but going one mile and going two, what is he talking about there? He's referring to a rule where Roman soldiers were allowed to ask the Jews to carry their packs for up to a mile. So in this sermon, Jesus is telling the Jews that their enemy, the Romans, he wants them to go above and beyond what is asked of us, the oppressor. So they were angry. Jesus is supposed to come and free them from oppression. He's supposed to release them from captivity of the Romans. But yet here he is in this text telling them to go above and beyond even what is asked of them. Because love means living a servant life that goes beyond what is asked. We are not just called to serve those we love and those who love us in return. We are called to love and serve generously, even our enemies. That's hard to hear. When I first typed this sermon, I put ouch in all capitals because every time I say it, it's hard, right? Easier said than done. Let's continue reading. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 47. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans or those who don't believe do that. The commandment was love your neighbor and hate your enemy. They felt justified in hating anyone who had wronged them in any way. The commandment told them that they were allowed to do this, but Jesus was turning the tables and telling them that they are not to hate their enemies, they're to go deeper, they're to love them, and also go even deeper and pray for them. Because doing this is a reflection of God, as he said in verse 45, that you may be children of your Father in heaven, because even non-believers repay love with love and love those who look like them. But they, as followers of Jesus Christ, are called to be different. And this is what shows those around them the deep and wide love of God. Now, the last part of the text we're going to read this morning, Jesus closes this with a part of a teaching, part of the teaching with a statement that I think is the most convicting out of the, all of the things that he's asking of them. And I would call this a mic drop statement. Verse 48 says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect as God is perfect. Raise your hand if you're perfect. I can't even raise my hand because I don't want to get struck by lightning as I'm standing on the stage this morning. Mother's Day story to tell, right? None of us are perfect. How is God asking us to be perfect when he knows we are fully incapable in our human ability to do so? How can we be humble 
live generously, show another grace, love and pray for our enemies, and be perfect. Why would God ask us to do this when he knows we can't? It doesn't make sense. So let's look at this verse in uh, the message version and see if this gives us clarity on what he means by perfect. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. You are kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. Grow up is not as easy to hear as perfect, but it helps clarify to us what God is asking of us to do. And I believe these are also words that you and I, as the church, need to hear today. God is calling us to grow in spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively and intentionally integrating godly values into our lives every single day. He is calling you and I to go deeper. I wonder if this is difficult for us because we have become paralyzed by grace. What I mean by this is most people who have been in church, or they have heard of grace. And grace means that the salvation that we have been given by Jesus Christ, we had to do nothing to earn it, but believe his death on the cross paid for us to be sons and daughters of the king. No work is required of us but to believe. But sometimes our understanding of grace paralyzes us and makes us believe that we don't have to do anything to then become spiritually mature. That is false. Salvation is the beginning of our journey with Christ. It is the acknowledgement that Jesus is the Son of God and that we are now his sons and daughters. But in order to become spiritually mature, it requires us to go deeper. Deeper than just attending church on Sundays or a few times a year or just listening to the sermons. It requires us to serve our church and our community, create a rhythm of prayer and conversation with God. Spiritual maturity does not happen by osmosis. It requires work. The question is, do we want to be spiritually mature? In James 1, 22 um, through 24, Jesus um, gives us some, the Bible gives us some clarity on what it means when Jesus says, to become spiritually mature and grow up. It says, now, full disclosure, I put the NIV version up there because it was a little lighter to digest than the message, but this is the message, so <laughs> hold on to your seats a little bit. So don't fool yourselves into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other, act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are, what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain. 
but a man or woman of action. The person will find delight and affirmation in the action. We must be men and women of action because without applying what we hear, there will be no spiritual transformation. We are not perfect, and God knows that we cannot do this in our own human ability. He knows we can only do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us supernatural strength to understand how to love deeply, how to give generously, how to live a servant life, and how to seek spiritual maturity. Because we must do what God is calling us to do, which is to love deep and wide. But I also must acknowledge that there are people hearing this message today that have never experienced this deep and wide love I keep talking about. And it doesn't matter if you've attended church your whole life, a few weeks, or if today is your first time, have you truly, deeply, and madly fallen in love with Jesus? Maybe at one point in your life, God felt so close to you, and for whatever reason today, he seems so far away. Please don't leave this room without experiencing the love of Jesus we're talking about this morning. A love that never wavers, a love that doesn't care who you are, what you've, where you've been, a love that keeps no record of wrong. We're going to close with a song this morning. And during this time, I want us to stand and sing, or I want us to kneel and pray. I want us to use this time to tell God how much we love him, to commit our lives to him. And I want, him, I want us to ask him to forgive us of the ways we have fallen short of looking and loving deeply like him to declare that from this day forward, we will not just be hearers of the word, but we will do what it says. That we will strive for spiritual maturity and allow the Holy Spirit to give us the strength we need for the journey ahead. Brothers and sisters, God loves you more than you can ever know. And I pray today that you will not walk out of this room without feeling the deep and wide love of your Father. Why? Because the world so desperately needs us to be mature. Your coworkers need you to know God. Your friends, your neighbors, your spouse, your family. And as we sing this song to close, I will be praying most of all that we will not just be hearers of the word, but that we will do what it says. We will desire to grow up and we will do it because that is what God is asking of us today. Let's stand and sing. Experience the glory of your good.
that's our prayer. That's our prayer today, Holy Spirit. Will you change us the way only you can? Make us into something new. May your love abound. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Have a great day. Hope to see you next week. If you are encouraged by today's talk, feel free to share it with your friends. Please also consider rating and subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please visit us online at murrayhills.com.